Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Manchester Weekly from the Mail. I'm Yoshi Herman, the editor and creator of the Mail, Manchester's quality newspaper delivered via email. This week, Daryl is in Belfast. He's left us. So the podcast is being hosted from our office for the first time, which is in the Royal Exchange building on St Anne's Square. If you hear the odd bit of rustling or typing or people moving around, it's because we're doing it live from the office. And in Daryl's absence, we've got a slightly different type of podcast. I'll be hosting it. And we're going to have different members of the team talking us through this week's stories, including our freelance contributor and longtime miller, Michael Taylor. And we're also going to hear a preview of this weekend's long read from Jack Delhanty. So let's get into it. This week we got the news that the Whitworths gallery director quit. Harry is going to join us to talk about this one. Harry, what's going on with this story? So this story has as many characters and plot developments as War and Peace, but here goes with a brief summary of this equally epic tale. Last summer, there was a major bust-up at the Whitworth over an exhibition about the effects of chemical pollution in marginalised communities all around the world. A plaque which accompanied the artwork said, While working on this exhibition, we witnessed with horror yet another attack by Israel's occupation forces on Palestinians. It went on to criticise Israel for its 2020 conflict with Gaza and accused it of ethnic cleansing in Palestinian neighbourhoods. Alistair Hudson, who's the director of the Whitworth Gallery, closed the exhibit in August, then reopened it and it ran until mid-October. But he's now been forced out, as revealed this week by Maya Wolf-Robinson of The Guardian. The University of Manchester, which employs Hudson, has asked him to leave his post. And as you might have guessed, this has kicked off an almighty row in the art world, on the one hand about freedom of expression, and on the other hand about representations of Israel in the media. Hudson, it might be worth pointing out, seems to have taken his sacking in good humour, as last night he posted a photo on his Instagram captioned with the words, at least I'm in Madrid. <laughs> okay, so just to try and boil this down, what exactly is it that Hudson has done wrong that has led to his ouster? So the controversy stems from this plaque that went along with this art exhibition, which really tied the chemical pollution in areas across the world, in Lebanon, in Louisiana, in Palestine, with the Israeli occupation of Palestinian territories. And was it his response to the initial criticism that got him in hot water here? That's still unclear. What we are trying to figure out is the chain of events that has taken place between August, when the plaque was first questioned, in October, when the exhibit ended, and now February, when Alistair Hudson has now been forced out of his job. So clearly there's been a lot of um, backroom discussions about, about Hudson's future at the gallery, all a result of this one plaque from an exhibition that initially opened in July 2021. Fascinating. Thank you very much, Harry. Now, over the weekend, we published a long read by Alex King about the clean air zone, which sounds like a sort of very harmless idea, the idea that we should want cleaner air, that we should get rid of some of these very, very polluted levels of, of air that we have in Greater Manchester. But it has turned into an almighty political row. It's currently being revised. Andy Burnham has released a statement about his role in it. 
I've got Michael Taylor here, who is a mill contributor. He's lived in Stockport for many years, so he's kind of in the bit of Greater Manchester that really cares about this policy. Michael, what's going on at the moment with the clean air zone? So Greater Manchester came up with the idea for the clean air zone as a way of meeting the very stringent targets that the government had set. There were so many different places in GM that were not clean. There wasn't good quality air. So the plan was to introduce a charge for high emitting vehicles. Now, Andy Burnham's issued a statement in the last week since the excellent piece that you were talking about that the mill put out. And that piece really talked to the opponents of Andy Burnham. And there were some horrific, horrific slogans on people's shirts. And Andy has also put out in his statement, really contesting some of the accusations that were thrown at him because it's been portrayed as Andy Burnham's congestion charge by both conservative opponents, but also by this swell of opinion. You can't drive around where I live in Stockport without seeing a white van with a sticker on the back that says no to Andy Burnham's congestion charge. They've really personalised it. And for a retail politician like Andy Burnham, that's a disaster for him because he plays, you know, he won every single council ward the last time he was up for election. He, he's a populist politician. He likes he likes the fact that he's got that very clear mandate and this has absolutely chipped away at it. So he has said that Greater Manchester will go away and think again. But I don't know if any of you saw Question Time that was live from Leeds last week on the BBC. He really came out fighting and really laid into Jake Berry, the former Northern Powerhouse Minister, because it's, it's clearly bruised him. He's best when he's passionate. Yeah, I said this in the in the thesis that I wrote about him. I've said it in numerous articles I've written about him. He's at his best when he's fighting for a, a cause he believes to be a moral one. And this is one of them. But I think he'd even admit himself his misjudged opinion. Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, listeners, if you haven't read Michael's thesis, you need to go away and, you need to go away and do that straight away. I certainly have. <laughs> now, he says in his statement, I do not want to appear as if... I believe there is nothing we could have done better. With hindsight, it's obvious that a scheme designed in pre-pandemic times was not going to work in the post-pandemic era. Now, one of the things that's been raised is the kind of global supply chain issues mean it's harder to get an electric car and therefore complying with this scheme is now more expensive for people. But Michael, to me, it feels like, and tell me what it feels like from your perspective in Stockport. It, to me, it feels like the opponents who we profiled in our weekend read would be opposing this scheme anyway. Do you think I've got that right? Yeah, the alternative to them paying this charge is to get an electric vehicle. So people who've got horse boxes, vans, buses, taxis, they'd have to buy a different type of vehicle. And that's a big change. And the, and the people who are opposed to this charge don't want to go through that process of change. It's happening, they say, too fast, and they weren't given enough notice on it. And the other argument is that it was being brought in universally across the whole of Greater Manchester. So there are, there are journeys that I take where I drive past the clean air zone signs which cuts across the high peak. So someone can go from one part of the high peak <laughs> down a country lane and they're subject to this charge, even though they're not really contributing to the to the really polluting air, maybe in the centre of Stockport, centre of Manchester, or along the main arterial routes, like the A6 through Stockport, for instance, which is pretty grim, actually, um, and the air quality is pretty grim. It just seems that this is a problem I think people could buy into that needs addressing. But as Andy Burnham has himself recognised, 
it was a really poor, really poorly handled communications issue for the combined authority and for him as mayor. There are 1,200 premature deaths in Greater Manchester every year from polluted air. So you can't just say, oh no, it's not an issue. It is a big issue. But what you've got to do is take that step fairly. It's about getting to clean air as quickly as we can, but enabling people to come with us on that journey. And final question on this one, Michael. This seems to raise some issues about political accountability as well. This is a Greater Manchester scheme it is a devolved authority that's come up with the sort of precise way it's going to work, but they are having to do it because the government lost a legal case about clean air to a, an organisation and has to reduce these levels. So there's a kind of a question here about who's really behind this. How do you read that one as someone who's looked, kind of thought a lot about, about devolution and, 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 and the way in which power is being built up here in Greater Manchester? Yeah, it's, it's ultimately, Yoshi, an issue of politics, and when it's quite clear that this is a hot potato, that this is an unpopular move, people were all rushing for the exit to completely disown this programme. And as Andy Burnham said on Question Time last week, the, government, the, cent- the, the Westminster government cut council tax and blame local councils for the cuts. They insist on a clean air policy, some ideas to do it. It's, it's what happens so often that actually the solution when it's locally implemented isn't funded properly and the difficult decisions are left to the people with the fewest resources. I've been able to foresee the same thing happening when the government will devolve, for instance, ticketing on transport across the north. Responsibility for tickets, which basically means fares, which basically means fare increases. So therefore, Andy Burnham, Tracy Brabin and the other mayors will own fair increases and it'll be their political hot issue it, it seems painfully unfair but that's the brutal reality of politics well on the subject of politics we've got another story that we think is really interesting this week and it's about bus services there seems to be an enormous funding black hole as a result of the pandemic with greater manchester's buses and we've got molly simpson here who's one of the mills reporters to talk about this molly what is the situation with the buses so the local democracy service reported that about a third of bus services in greater manchester are at risk of being cut when emergency covid funding runs out which will happen at the end of march the Transport Committee has said they'll need about £30 million to stabilise the bus market and another £40 million for Metrolink for the next financial year. The chairs and vice-chairs of the Transport Committee have said the day-to-day lives of people in Greater Manchester would be severely affected. Public transport is something that's really important for disabled people, people who can't drive and people who are too young to drive. So we could see this having a huge impact on people across the city region. So what we're seeing here is the pandemic has has, has changed passenger numbers obviously quite dramatically and that has made some bus services much less viable and it has increased the need for sort of government funding because these companies are making less from ticketing has the committee said anything about how likely they are to get this kind of money well the transport committee have said they're looking to get the funding as soon as possible the government has said it's brought into our transformative transport agenda but that means nothing if we can't maintain services at the current level that's a quote from the chair and vice chair of the uh, transport committee brilliant thanks very much molly 
Now, to look ahead to a story we're doing over the weekend that we haven't published yet, I'm going to speak to Jack Delhanty, Mill's reporter, Mill's newest reporter, who has been talking to people who live in the sky or who work in the sky as crane operators. Jack, tell us about what you've been looking into. Yeah, so I've been speaking to guys who spend the vast majority of the time, a hundred of hundreds of meters in the air, um, piecing together the buildings and essentially the kind of the the driving force behind the broadening of our skyline really without them the vast majority of the buildings that are being built in Manchester at the minute just wouldn't be able to exist and tell us how you got onto this story like you started thinking about these guys and trying to find these guys I think in last September so what prompted that Oh yeah, well we were we were sat in the office and we just got a kind of Manchester Evening News breaking news report that crane operator who was working on Oldham Road in the Northern Quarter had taken ill while in his sort of operating seat and he was being stretchered and basically like they used a pulley system to like hoist him down hundreds of feet from this crane onto a cherry picker and then down onto the street. It was all a very big major operation, very stressful. And yeah, that's what kind of prompted us to think, what's it like to be in there in the first place? Um, What we found out is that, yeah, it is incredibly stressful. It's an industry where a lot of people do struggle with stress and anxiety and the constant having to keep up a sustained focus on what you're doing because everything that you do is so dangerous. Everything that you do could become a disaster if you're not careful. Um, So yeah, it was prompted by that and it's proved really interesting. And and Jack, these crane operators, I mean, I don't want to give away too much from the weekend read, but they're kind of the most important person on a building site aren't they it's like it's almost like nothing can work without them and all different bits parts of the building site want them to do their bit of work so these guys are kind of really central to a building site but they're also way way above it and they can't speak to anyone that must create a weird sort of duality for them yeah they're they're kind of both essential and invisible they don't have a lot of face-to-face interaction with other people on the site but everyone on the site wants their attention it's quite an odd dynamic in that way and um, yeah, as you say, the modern construction as it stands at the minute, uh, not to get too far in the weeds with how it could change, but at the moment it can't function without a crane, especially building the types of buildings that we build in Manchester. So these guys are completely essential. And yeah, as you say, without them, no one else steps foot on a site. Fascinating. That'll be in your inbox this weekend as our weekend read. Now, Jack, before we, we close up the podcast, let's give a couple of nods to our audience of, of, of things they should do over the weekend or things we recommend in the coming week. What's your nod? Uh, my nod, this Saturday, you can go to a Punjabi masterclass at a tea bar called Zook, which is on the, uh, what do they call it now, the Quadrangle, but it's just on Chester Street near Manchester Met. It's essentially an Indian restaurant that's, teaching people how to make all of their... uh, They've basically broken it down week by week for different regions of India. And this week, they'll be teaching you how to make Punjabi classics, so like samosa chat and lamb chops and that kind of thing. I thought that sounded really interesting. That's awesome. Love it. Mine is also a uh, South Asian flavour. There's a 
show on at the Oldham Coliseum. It's four short uh, plays written by newly discovered female writers, all of whom are South Asian descent. Um, the plays have been written as part of the Coliseum's discovery program. I think anyone who's been to Oldham recently knows how much sort of pride is going into making the Coliseum a, a real kind of crown jewel in, in the town. I think it always has been, but I think there's a lot of emphasis on that at the moment. So um, it's well worth going along. And that is on Friday night. Thank you so much to everyone who's been listening to the podcast. Um, every week we get more and more listeners. If you're enjoying this podcast, please go and give us a like or a, a good rating and a good comment on whichever podcast platform you use. If you want to read more from the mail, it's manchestermail.co.uk. We hope you can put up with our um, relatively homespun episode this week in our office. We're going to have Daryl back next week. The pros are going to be back in town and it will sound like normal again. Thanks very much. Bye bye. <laughs>